This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands build relationships across any distance, delivering email marketing moments your customers will appreciate, remember, and share in good times and bad. Visit clavio.com slash duct tape to schedule a demo. That's clavio.com slash duct tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Mark Sanborn. He is an author, professional speaker, and entrepreneur, probably best known for his book, The Fred Factor, How Passion in Your Work and Life Can Turn the Ordinary into Extraordinary. Two billion copies later. Thanks for joining me, Mark. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So how how's Fred doing anyway? Is, is he still carrying the mail? Is he, is he all right? Is he healthy? The good news is Fred's doing great. He retired uh, about three years ago this summer, and he's one of those guys that retiring just means redirecting his efforts. Uh, he once told me he's nav- never been able to sit through an entire movie because he'd rather be fixing something, building something, helping someone, and he's still doing that. He also has a couple of granddaughters to uh, dote on, and I know that's a big part of his day. Yeah, and it, you know, like uh, there are a lot of stories that are kind of in that uh, – parable, you know, model, um, that are out there. And, but, but your, your, your Fred was real, you know, a lot, was of, a lot of those are made up. Yeah. There are still people that ask me if, if I made that up and I'm frankly not that creative. <laughs> I, I always say life is stranger than my limited imagination. And I really did meet Fred when I moved to Denver and I've lived here now, uh, 33 years, met him back in, uh, 1988 when I bought my first house. And, He's become a friend. As a matter of fact, his wife, Kathy, just checked in with my wife on either email or Facebook. So we consider them uh, friends, and uh, he's been a really great guy. He's an example of of an ordinary person doing extraordinary things, and there's nothing more basic to uh, living fully than that. Yeah, and so so maybe spend, uh, um, you know, for the two people listening that have, aren't familiar with the book, spend a little time setting that up and uh, kind of what was the message of, of that book? Well, you know, in retrospect, the big message is no one can prevent you from being extraordinary. Uh, Fred, when I met him, was a real-life postal carrier who put mail in a box, not the most exotic job. And yet, between his ability to build relationships and add value and continually reinvent himself so he was happy and upbeat, I wrote a book about him because really, the and this isn't to take away from the job he did, but if, if you can bring that much creativity and commitment to putting mail in a box, then the rest of us have no excuse. You know, you can't say, well, you know, I don't have the kind of job that lends itself well to creating value and relationship building and reinventing myself. Uh, As a matter of fact, you do. And really what Fred proved is that everybody makes a difference. And the only question is what kind, you know, I, I think sometimes in selling and as well as in leadership and customer service, people think they're neutral, you know, they can just kind of sleepwalk through life. Maybe they're not doing a great thing, but they're not doing a bad thing. What they forget is, is we interpret that as indifference. And of course, indifference is the number one killer of any business. So I always tell people the big message is, you know, choose to make a positive difference every day so that you don't end up by default in that category called indifferent. Yeah, that's one actually one of my favorite sayings is uh, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Yes, <laughs> and, and because hate that, is at least an emotion that engages you, right? <laughs> you, you know, your enemies engage you. The people you don't care enough to engage, you're indifferent towards. Yeah. 
So you mentioned the word reinvention. I suspect that you and I are recording this in the middle of April 2020. The world is going through uh, a sort of shared, um, you know, troubling time, health epidemic. Um, Do you suspect coming out of this, there will be a lot of reinvention going on that, that people are actually looking at their lives right now and saying, maybe I have been phoning it in? I think there's going to be a great cultural recalibration and one of my pet peeves, and we heard this word a lot or this phrase a lot 10 years ago when we were going through the great reset post 2008 of the new normal. And I've yeah. always hated that phrase because once you think you know what's normal, you quit paying attention <laughs> and you get blindsided. And today I heard Mark Cuban on TV and he said something I loved. He said, you know, it's going to be a new abnormal. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, the situation is none of us knows. I mean, there are people who will claim to know and there's a few that will get lucky. If you have enough pundits guessing what the future looks like, you know, every sure, once in a while a, guess, right? a blind pig <laughs> finds an acorn. But I think that by necessity, unless someone decides to, you know, coast into retirement or decides to just leave the workforce, it's going to require, especially especially in selling, especially in leadership, two areas. I, I came out of selling my specialty uh, in my focus in my business is leadership development. And I do think there's going to be uh, a need to reinvent uh, in some industries more significantly than others. But I don't think anyone will be will remain unaffected by this. Yeah, I, I know one of the things that we certainly have seen early on, and, and I'm not I'm not addressing this to any one individual or group of individuals, but that the crisis can create. I think you said this, actually. I read this on a blog post you wrote. Crisis can create character for sure, but more often it simply reveals it. And I think we are seeing a lot of 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 leadership of things that we've taken for granted kind of revealing themselves in, in both good and bad. Yeah, I'll throw out another bromide, and that is in desperate times, people do desperate things. And um, I just, I, I mean, certainly uh, crisis can develop character, but when a crisis hits, we find out how much character we've already developed. And there yeah. are some people who get desperate. And then there are some people who you really respect even more because you realize maybe you underrated them and their uh, ability to be of greater service. Yeah. I think sometimes getting pushed in a corner, you know, really, you really do see somebody's, you know, uh, true fight. And I, and I think, you know, you, you talked about the re, the last recession, really the last seven, eight, nine years have been pretty comfy for some people. Um, and I think sometimes, uh, sometimes I think that's, you know, that, that mediocrity is sort of, you know, the enemy. <laughs> um, well, that, a friend of mine uh, who's a person of faith said he thinks this COVID thing is God putting the whole world in time out. And I, I always <laughs> like that uh, metaphor because, yeah. you know, w- in politics, they say never waste a good crisis. And I can't think of a greater crisis. So we've always had crises of uh, some health crises or some financial crises or some cultural, you name it. But rarely have they all converged in one massive crisis. And yeah. you don't have to learn anything, but why wouldn't you try? You don't have to become a better person. But now that you've got the time, why wouldn't you dedicate yourself to that? Uh, people always ask me, you know, can you make people be afraid? Can you make people be extraordinary? You know, I couldn't make my kids take out the garbage when they lived at home, right? So (laughs) I'm a realist. I can't make people do things. But hopefully what you and I do with our clients is we give them information and encouragement so that they can uh, choose to do those things that will make them better or help them sell or lead more effectively. Yeah. 
when you and I were talking about uh, doing this show, um, you kind of you threw out a phrase, um, maybe in reaction to what you've seen the last month or so. But when when the best marketing is no marketing at all. So um, give me your thoughts on that. Well, John, I think there's three problems with this uh, take no prisoners and keep selling like nothing's changed. And the first is it's really tone deaf so yeah. that people don't think I'm being too pointed. You know, as a professional speaker, I have heard speakers say, you know, the world needs us now more than ever. And in all due respect, no, most people are thinking about surviving and not getting sick and being able to pay their mortgage and not losing their business. And so somewhere much further down the list is the message of the speaker. That doesn't mean the, the speaker's message isn't as important. I just think we have to be careful. We don't self-aggrandize the necessity of our products or services. So I think it's very tone deaf to just act like people aren't struggling and aren't hurting. Secondly, I think it's, it's ill-timed. I mean, it's hard enough to get the attention of a buyer or a prospect in normal times, much less with all of these distractions. So, you know, short of just doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on your efforts. And even then I, you, I go back to point one, it's kind of tone deaf, but number three, and I don't think most people have thought about this. You know, my team's talked about it. And my, my agent, my booker told me, she said, uh, it's a little premature because we don't know who's going to be in what roles and have a job when this is over. So let's just say you do continue to market to your list. You might find out that some of them are going to change chairs or maybe leave the industry. And so that is a third problem. I, I think, you know, marketing, there's a lot of ways to define it. It's the business of promoting and selling products or services. And I think the highest calling right now is to be of service because after this is over or later, people will remember who tried to sell them and who tried to help them, who tried to meet their personal needs as a sales professional and who tried to help the client meet their needs, even when those needs weren't related to what the salesperson sold. And so, and by the way, I went online because, you know, years ago, a guy named Robert Greenleaf wrote a book called Servant Leadership, and it kind of revolutionized the whole idea that Leaders didn't exist to be served. Leaders existed to serve. And so I went online because I wondered if there was a book called Servant Selling. And at least if there is, Amazon doesn't carry it or it's, <laughs> it's, it's buried a lot deeper in the Amazon website than I could find. But if, if selling, and I don't know who originally said this, John. I, I know six people that said it was them. But if selling is helping people make a decision that's good for them, maybe we should stop selling and start serving. Yeah. And maybe we should simply say, you know what? I've got time and resources. What can I do to help you? No strings attached. And by the way, you know in advance the people who will be grateful and appreciative. You, you know, don't don't aim your, your your efforts at someone who is uh, who's been ungrateful and unappreciative in the past because they're probably going to be that in the present and the future. So I think there's a lot of ways we can help uh, with our expertise without necessarily. And by the way, I know there's a people that are spitting nails. You, know, you got to monetize it. If you give it away for free now, they won't pay for it later. Oh, come on. I, I guess I must have really good clients because I don't worry about my clients being that way. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I Because I have a bit of a you know publishing background uh, with this show and what I've uh, done, I'm on all the PR list. And so I've been getting about 10 pitches a day from somebody who's an expert in how to prom how to how to market during you know a pandemic is how most of them go, and really 
I haven't said this out loud, but I've sure been thinking this. Um, really, they, all the message comes down to maybe we shouldn't have been spamming people all along. <laughs> I mean, that, that's ultimately what the message is. <laughs> I, you know, by the way, people say, well, how have you spent your uh, shelter at home? I've spent it unsubscribing because <laughs> I, I'm pro and I'm not exaggerating. I probably unsubscribe 20 or 30 times a day. And, and by the way, John, here's another thing in my space. Here's what I've heard bad advice given to leaders. You've got to over communicate. No, you don't. Yeah. You've got to communicate yeah. better because if yeah. you over communicate, no one pays attention to you. What I love is when some vendor, I didn't know I had, right? Maybe I was on their mailing list in 1998. They <laughs> give me an update on all the noble things they're doing around COVID to which I respond. I didn't even know you were still, I didn't know you existed. So I'm not that interested in what you're doing, you know, keep up yeah. the good work, but then I unsubscribe. And, yeah. and you're right. I, I just don't think that turning on the, the faucet and, and drowning people with more inane communication is going to help anyone. You know, what what would be some of your advice? I know because I, I know a lot of people that are certainly genuinely care, but they're just not sure what to do. You know, there's a little I even hear from people, you know, it's like, oh, I, just, I, I think I need to turn all my marketing off. But I think it's really it's really more of you have to think about your marketing differently and that and so you know even things like I, I know one of the things that's happened seems like just this week um i've heard from four or five people i mean genuine people that i run into you know out there on the road like you do but i haven't heard from them for a while um and you know they've just reached out and said hey i just i haven't talked to you for a while i just wanted to check in i mean do you do you find that that you know that sort of checking in you know is a good practice or is that adding to the noise too no, I think I think it's generally a good practice if you have a reason to check in. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not uh, cynical, but I'm skeptical, and it kind of yeah. begs the question: Why haven't I heard from you before? Now, the the answer is we didn't have as much time as we do now. Right. So maybe some people, and I encourage people to do this: is think of somebody you haven't talked to and you want to reconnect with. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, you always kind of wait for that other shoe to fall. Now on LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> as soon as you accept a friend request, they, yeah. they start jamming you for selling you something. And then I quickly unfriend them. I just think that is so uh, such a bad idea. I, I yeah. have an acronym and I know everybody thinks acronyms are corny, but you know what? They're a good way to remember stuff. And I'll say that if you want to communicate and build a relationship, share the pie. And, and pie is an acronym for three things. One, if you're a leader. Remind people of their purpose, because if you only focus on the day-to-day -day tactical, people are really discouraged. Matter of fact, I'm a pretty forward-thinking guy. I don't count the number of days until we supposedly are going to get let out of lockdown. I try to live each day in kind of this airtight yeah. compartment, finding projects to, to do, problems to solve, things that create value either personally or professionally. But ultimately, you've got to remind people that we're, we're slugging, slugging and slogging it out because of a higher purpose, hopefully, whether it's our family or whether it's, you know, the ability to do, do things later that we've had to defer doing now. So as a leader and probably as a sales manager, you probably ought to think about reminding people of the greater purpose. The I is sharing ideas. I love it when people says, hey, have you read this book? Have you seen this series? Have you been to this website? Have you listened to this podcast? And, and that to me is invaluable because now I finally have time to say I haven't and I'll check it out. Yeah. But the third one is encouragement. We just need to tell people, you know, I am thinking of you and here's what I'm thinking of you. I know it's tough and you're going to be okay. You can do it. And I'm not talking about 
you know, blowing smoke. I'm talking about just genuinely appreciating that people are struggling. You know, and by the way, a good leader knows the the talents and wherewithal of others sometimes better than those people do. So focusing on purpose, sharing ideas, and just whether it's a text or an email or a phone call, sharing encouragement. And I don't think anybody is going to push back against any of those three things. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. In uncertain times, supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers is a strategy that will be appreciated, remembered, and shared. In good times and bad, open and empathetic communication with your customers is key. Email is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering these communications. Visit Clavio.com slash duct tape to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash duct tape. I've had some people contact me that, you know, not, I mean, obviously there are people who are suffering, uh, uh, you know, loss of uh, their businesses. Maybe are being devastated. You know, you think about the, the you know, certain industries. There's a little bakery down the road from me that I love to go to that, you know, they're shut down. Um, you know, I get a lot of people asking me, you know, how can I, you know, I'm still working, you know, I have a job that, you know, that allows me to work from home, you know, how can I, you know, what, 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 in your opinion has struck you as good ways that people can help with time and money and, you know, other resources that, that may be, you know, with those folks that are hurting? Certainly to the degree we can uh, pat- patronize those establishments yeah. that are still doing delivery or that are still open and we're still allowed to, to go to. Uh, I think that's fine. I also think you can support people in social media. By the way, you talked about, before I forget, turning off social media. I now look at it as rather than pushing it out, as letting people come to it. So I'm still trying to write things that are encouraging yeah. and helpful, but I'm leaving it up to people whether they have time to, to, to seek that out. Um, you know, I, I had wrote a book in 2010 that is kind of reminiscent of what we're going through now, different circumstances, but a lot of what I wrote about was similar and I sell it. And, uh, but I thought, you know what, now's a good time to give it away. And I just made it available. And for me, because, you know, I'm in a kind of a weird, like you kind of an ephemeral service business to me, the the value is in ideas. And so I said, here's the book, read it. If you want, uh, help yourself, give it to somebody else. And I, yeah. I, again, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, my brother's a restaurant guy, and they're now estimating probably 10 to 12 percent of restaurants are already gone permanently. And depending on the data, you believe uh, it could be as high as 30 percent or more of the smaller mom and pop operations. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one, John. I wish I had some really clever, but I, I I don't. I do try to still. I'm not a big fan of carry out, but let's not get on. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why everything else can contaminate us, but carry out is perfectly safe. Um, I guess it depends on who you know and trust that provides the carry out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, a period of time. You're in Denver, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I have a home in the, in the mountains west of Boulder. And uh, I was out there when Colorado was and Denver were kind of doing the first shutter <coughs> act. And uh, 
they initially said that the dispensaries and liquor stores were going to close as well. And uh, <laughs> you, you probably saw the run on those establishments. Oh, yeah. They, they are now considered essential businesses. Uh, there were lines around the block. To get, we have more dispensaries than we do Starbucks, by the way, here in Denver. <laughs> and both the alcohol and cannabis are now deemed essential. Yeah. I guess, and you know, I'm not going to comment on how healthy it is as a coping mechanism, but certainly they can help uh, deal with being locked down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um. Let's finish on that to- that kind of that topic of uh, you know a lot of salespeople. You know, not only make their living, but in a lot of cases, I've found that a lot of salespeople, you know, are attracted to the idea of, of interaction and uh, engagement, you know, with other humans. I know you do a lot of training of salespeople. Um, are there new skills? If, 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 if this virtual thing, you know, is going to stick around, which I believe it certainly is. I think a lot of people have discovered it and went, Hey, this is much easier. Um, do you see that changing the world of business in general, the world particularly of a, of a group that you spend a lot of time with uh, of sales professionals? Well, there's very few things I'm certain of, but I'm pretty certain that there's just going to be a massive increase in online platforms for connecting and communicating for, for any number of reasons. One is corporate America and our employers are going to find yeah. out they didn't need to send us out as much. That's just a new discovery like universities are discovering. You don't necessarily need to house kids on campus to, to educate <laughs> yeah. them. Having said that, uh, I think that in the extra time most of us have, and the good news is the one big blessing I've enjoyed is I've freed up a lot of bandwidth to learn. I'm in an accelerated learning phase. Even after I get everything done I need to get done, I would be learning how to really be leading edge in using Zoom or GoTo or WebEx or whatever the platform is because you're going to get that opportunity. And it's not preferred. I've already had speaker friends say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do webinars. Just don't want to do it. And I totally get that. Yeah. However, if you're in selling, uh, you probably should use some time to really do a deep dive on how to do remote uh, conferencing, because I think it will serve you well. Yeah. And I, I think like a lot of things, you know, it was a un- unique, you know, 10 years ago when people started doing it, not so unique anymore. And now, just like you said, now there needs to be an advancement. How do you create a better experience? How do you create more engagement? How do you You've probably seen this um, speaking from a stage with a live audience who's there laughing at your jokes. It has a whole different rhythm than a bunch of people that are sitting there on headphones listening to you talk. And so I think it's I think it's not only the technology. I think it's a I think it's a skill set like like a keynote speech is different than a workshop and, and in some cases different expertise and talent, you know, excels at one or the other. I think that that's going to be true in the, in the virtual world. I agree. And, you know, it's about mastering a new medium. Some some speakers are going to say, you know what, I'm just, I just don't want to do it. And that's fine. But if you're really about communicating ideas, it's always about how to best do that. And I personally, like you probably, most enjoy being on stage. But if I'm really committed to communicating good ideas and helping my clients, then I probably ought to look at some other avenues that will enable me to do that in the, yeah. the new abnormal. <laughs> I remember this probably close to 20 years ago, uh, the first 
I, I call it online event. It wasn't actually online. Do you remember doing teleseminars? I mean, basically everybody <laughs> called in on a phone bridge, you know, and you were there as a presenter. I remember the first time doing one of those, I almost hyperventilated because it just was such a different experience. I, you know, I didn't have the rhythm down, you know, any, anymore, but uh, it, uh, it's, we've come a long way in the technology. That's for sure. We usually do what we have to do. We usually don't do it before we need to or have yeah. to, but we, we quickly catch on. Yeah, very, very, very true. Well, Mark, er, I certainly appreciate you uh, stopping by and spending some time with us today. And you want to tell people how we'll have in the show notes, uh, how they can find out more about um, your work uh, when you're not at home um, fixing uh, you know, broken doors and things <laughs> yes. like that. <laughs> Rearranging my uh, tool cabinet. You know, I, I now have all my wrenches for the first time in 30 years. I have all my wrenches in the same spot. <laughs> have them lined up yes, by they- size. And- yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, just go to marksanborn.com, M A R K S A N B O R N.com and all the connections to my social media videos, it's all there. Yeah, awesome. Well, I appreciate it and uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you uh, someday when we're back on the road. I sure hope so. Thanks, John. Yeah.